Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer our listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Okay. Our guest today is Kara Cox of Kara Cox Interiors in Greensboro, North Carolina. She's a native to North Carolina, right here in the heart of furniture industry, so you know she loves craftsmanship handmade details, and supporting her local artisans. Her work has been featured in Traditional Home Magazine, Domino, HGTV Magazine, and more. Kara, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you for being on with us today. Yes. Your work is so beautiful. And I, I've i just got to say the word beautiful. I, oh. I feel like your work um, in looking through your portfolio feels like a quintessential Southern woman. Like it's Thank pulled, to, it's pulled together. It's feminine. It's, it's stunning, okay. but it, there's also a layer of texture and intrigue, which I think is really important and, and really kind of shows through in your rooms. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I think being um, a Southern designer is definitely a critical part of my business um, and has definitely affected my aesthetic over the years. So it's such a wonderful part of the country to live in for entertaining and focus on our homes and um, something that Southerners definitely take a lot of pride in. Well, let's reverse because I want to know you, you have a little fun, little hippity hoppity history of how you got here too. So (laughs) can you fill everyone in? Cause I think it helps to like paint you and like your little sure yeah it's been a winding road which I find is really common for um, interior designers I think it you know really adds a lot to our experience and um, where we come from for our design aesthetic so I um, went to college at UNC Chapel Hill I'm from a long line of Tar Heels and um, I have a journalism degree Uh, as my first degree and was headed off to New York and wanted to work in the fashion industry, you know, kind of like thought I was going to be Devil Wears Prada headed (laughs) up to um, New York. And I did a management training program at Saks Fifth Avenue straight out of college. Loved it. Loved the city. Loved everything about it. I'm from a small town, but I would say I'm probably a little more of a city girl at heart. Um, but I happened to be dating my now husband at the time and we grew up in the same small town. He has a family business there. And so while I was in New York, um, I was kind of debating, do I stay here and take another job? Do I move back to the South? You know, what's my next step? (laughs) Do I like him enough? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, where's this going? Um, and so he proposed, And I moved back to North Carolina. Well, there's not a huge fashion industry here. So I struggled for the first year to kind of figure out how I was going to pivot into a different um, career and ended up working for a furniture manufacturer, Klausner Furniture, which was actually based in our hometown of Asheboro, which is about 30 minutes um, south of High Point. 
And my dad had actually been the company doctor for Klausner for years. So he was a family physician, ended up because they were such a large employer at the time, ended up leaving private practice and going to work as their company physician on site. And so I was familiar with the company and went into fabric purchasing and did that for about a year and then um, had an opportunity to go to the staff of Home Accents Today, which is a trade publication based in High Point. And that was like a great marriage of my journalism degree and then my interest in design um, and home furnishings. And it was such a great learning experience because I traveled to all of the trade shows all over the country, was even able to travel internationally for some trade shows. And I was 20 four at the time. So just experiencing (laughs) so many amazing things and really learning the industry from the inside out and being exposed to so many brands um, and so much product at the time. So, you know, part of our job was to look at all the new product introductions, create trend forecasting, all that stuff for each um, new market cycle. And so I worked there for about two and a half years And then ended up having my first child, who's now 14, almost 15, which is crazy. Um, And when she was born, I really just didn't see how I could keep the travel schedule going. And so I ended up um, leaving that job and going back to school for interior design. So I realized while I was working for the magazine and being exposed to the industry that like I really wanted to be doing the work instead of writing about it. And I am a person that loves to um, feel like I have information and training. And so it was important to me to have a design degree to be able to fall back on that experience and the technical skills that I felt like I needed to change careers. So I went and did a two-year associate's degree. And it was perfect. It was the technical training I needed, learning CAD, learning how to draw floor plan, um, color theory, fabrics, you know, all of that, those technical skills that led me to interior design and worked for an interior designer in Greensboro for a couple of years. He was an amazing mentor to me. She had an incredible business, very high end luxury um, design and was just so open to teaching. And she had been a training ground for a lot of great designers in this area and um, and really set me up to be successful as my as a business owner. And so I, I worked there for about two and a half years. And then um, that was in 2008, 2010. So at the same time, all the economy, everything was going crazy. <laughs> you know. um, she, w- she did well because she had such high-end clients that were really already working on projects before, um, you know, the economy really took a turn. But in 2010, I had my second child and she kind of looked at me and said, you're ready to fly the nest. You need to go do this on your own. You can call me anytime. You can come use my sample room if you need to. But, you know, this- <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> get out and do this yourself. Yeah. And I kind of went kicking and screaming. I really didn't want to. Um, I loved working for her. And so um, it was a good but it was a good transition time for me to have my second child and start my own business. So that um, he actually turned 11 yesterday. So 11 years ago, I just took the leap with two little people at home and 
um, you know, work kudos to mom. you for doing that. Cause that yeah. is, I mean, every working mom knows like how hard that is. So it's that's a juggle. Amazing. It always is a juggle, but, um, you know, uh, it went from working in my guest room to, you know, having my, my own little office yeah. and moving out and building the business. And, um, now I have a great team that is able to support me and, you know, keep, keep building to a bigger and better firm. And how did you find those first few clients? I know we have a lot of listeners who write in who are, um, you know, starting small and they too want to know from the business side. Was it? Yeah. I, you know, I would definitely say it was um, more word of mouth. Um, Lindsay Henderson was who I worked for and she was very well known in Greensboro. I mean, Greensboro is a fairly small city. Mm -hmm. So um, I had a lot of friends who, you know, I was early thirties at the time and they were setting up their first homes and they couldn't necessarily afford a designer who had been in business for a long time, but they mm-hmm. felt comfortable working with someone who was also starting out. And so <laughs> I had a lot of clients who grew with me and, yeah. you know, in the beginning we were doing small hourly little projects here and there. And then we've moved to the next house and the next house and um, kind of grown together, which has been wonderful. Um, I love getting to watch people's, children grow up and be a part of their family experience and, you know, creating homes that they're making memories in. I think that's such a gift as an interior designer. Um, so I would say in the beginning it was all word of mouth. I was, mm-hmm. I was definitely the designer who was putting my business card out at every like preschool silent auction and, you know, <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's in the beginning to get it built and, then slowly but surely it just starts to snowball yeah. and you have great referrals and, um, you know, just build it up every time. That's so great. And I mean, that's, I feel like a lot of people do that, but it is so nice. You get in and you, tr- you know, you build the trust and you build the, um, have you noticed your aesthetic change through the years or has it been pretty steady with your background? You know, I, um, I feel like my aesthetic has stayed fairly steady. I definitely think I um, honed my aesthetic when I was working for Lindsay um, and learned how to edit. You know, she was really a very tailored, clean, um, classic designer. And I have a similar aesthetic. I don't love a lot of things. um, So I do prefer a more clean and tailored look. Um, But I definitely think too, I've gone through phases even personally I lived in a classic ranch and then my family bought a mid-century modern. And so I went a little more contemporary and got really into collecting vintage pieces and studying, um, you know, vintage designers from the fifties and sixties and wanted to buy a lot of pieces from that period for my own home. Um, So I, I would say, I think I've probably gone a little more contemporary maybe as Tom has um, past, but I still love a classic Southern, you know, traditional mm-hmm. home as well. So I love being able to kind of dabble in both and do both of those things for our clients. Can we talk a minute about your, your own home renovation? I mean, because you, you did buy a mid-century split level, right? And, um, what's your advice for someone who's buying a fixer upper? Oh my gosh. I think just take it in phases. Um, 
You know, I think so many people, especially young people, want everything done immediately. And we're living in such a time of like Amazon Prime life. And I think um, people have to realize that sometimes the best things happen with patience and <laughs> perseverance. <laughs> so when we, um, when we bought that house, my daughter at the time would have been um, eight. And we went in and she said, Mom, I am not living here. She said, this is the ugliest house I've ever seen. <laughs> and our parents were like, you guys are crazy. We can't believe you're doing this. Uh, it just was so different from any house that we'd ever lived in. It was a very different aesthetic. Someone had come in. It was built in 1956, but someone had come in over the years and done multiple renovations to it. And it had gone in like a very Mediterranean hmm. yeah, direction, which is definitely not like a Greensboro aesthetic at all. <laughs> it was well, right after a vacation. Some people came back yeah. and were like, let's do this. <laughs> like they want to be in Florida, but they're not. Um, and so it was all terracotta floors. Ooh. Like Ooh. Heavy yellow marble and wrought iron and just really didn't fit the bones of the house. And so the first thing we did was just go in and strip it out. I mean, we took all the terracotta out. We put in wood floors. We opened up walls, painted everything white, um, <laughs> took out the super naughty pine kitchen. <laughs> um, but we are still working on it. We lived there six years. We actually just started another round of renovation last week. Oh, my oh, gosh. Wow. What are you Which doing everyone now? Everyone's saying, like, you do know you're in the middle of a pandemic and, like, there's all these obstacles right now to renovating. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fully aware, you know, <laughs> so I know what I'm getting into. I have no expectation of when it's going to be finished. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I lowered my expectations on when, yes. but yes. so what are but, you doing so this time? This time we had a screen porch off of our kitchen at the back of our house where we have an amazing location, which is really one of the reasons we bought the house. So it backs up to a golf course and we love golf course life. Um, so the back of our house was very closed off and we had this screen porch off our kitchen, but there was like one single door to the mm -hmm. screen porch and a big wall that blocked the end of our kitchen. And so we're opening up that wall, taking it out and finishing in the screen porch to like a keeping room, breakfast room that will extend out into the backyard with big sliders. So kind of creating that indoor outdoor living right out of our kitchen space, mm -hmm. which is the heart of every home. So mm -hmm. I think it's going to really make our house live better um, with an overall flow out into our, our backyard. So we're really excited. It's something that I have been able to envision from the time we bought the house and we've just <laughs> out project after project after project until we could finally get to this one. Have you lived in the house through all these projects? We have, which is awesome. Interesting. Um, the first time we did a big renovation in partnership with Domino and we did our kitchen and three bathrooms. It was a trying time for everyone. And it was, we were constantly interrupted by the contractor asking questions and how do you want this done? And how do you want that done? And, you know, so um, 
I was smart enough to hire good contractors, even though, you know, kitchen and bath renovations are something I could have project managed myself. I knew that on top of running a business, I needed a good contractor to partner with who could handle the day-to-day scheduling, uh-huh. meeting the subs, taking care of all of that. So I have had great partners in every renovation um, that I'm really comfortable with. And, you know, the irony is when I did my first renovation, I had an office manager who had worked for me. She ended up working for me for about five years. At the end of five years, she looked at me and she said, you know, I've decided I want to go back and get my contractor's license. And she had an accounting degree to start with. She said, I've learned so much working for you and watching what you've done and being here through all of this stuff. And I want to go out and get my contractor's license. And she did. And so she's become a licensed contractor in the last few years. She's taking on her own projects. And now she is my contractor (laughs) for this renovation. I love it. It comes full circle. That's fantastic because you totally trust getting into this renovation because you... uh, you know her. You trained her. I know her. her. I know how to her flaws to answer my phone calls whenever there is an emergency. I know where she lives. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I do trust her so much. And she's building her business and you know, empowering women-owned businesses is really important to me. It's a huge part of my business model. So I used a female architect and a female contractor and we have this great team and I'm so excited about what we're doing and being able to support their businesses. And, um, you know, so it's a lot of fun at the same time. How do you prepare your um, clients for big, big renovations like this as well? I think right now preparing people for um, renovations in what we're experiencing as an industry is the most difficult we've ever, you know, um, had to do. So with the, time restraints with raw material shortages. Um, I just try to keep people's expectations realistic and it's difficult because people are used to getting things Mm -hmm. in a very short lead time or having things in stock and, you know, it, it happens quickly and um, it's painful, but you know, they see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's different right now taking on a remodel or a construction project. Um, you know, even new home construction, there is just no way for us to give people realistic timelines because the are changing so quickly, you know, hour to hour, um, really, with what we're able to place orders for or have access to material wise, pricing is fluctuating so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think people just really have to be educated and aware of what they're getting into. And fully uh, be fully transparent with them about the fact that like we will do the best we can, but we cannot over promise right now, which for me as a business owner is really difficult because I pride myself on exceeding people's expectations. You know, um, we're just being really honest and um, upfront with everyone that we're going into a project with and saying, this is what we're looking at realistically. Are you prepared for this? Are you okay with it? Um, We're going to do the best we can and we'll keep open communication with you as things change. And um, (laughs) that's really all we can do at this point. 
I mean, honestly, I wish we we could even be more like that ourselves because right now we're in the same, you know, we're like we we plan to get this container of stuff for you on this date. But we, you know, so it is it is right now, like you said, more than ever, people just learning, relearning patience like and communication. I just think communication is so important. And if people feel like you're being honest and you're giving them all the information you have. Uh-huh. then they're a lot more forgiving and understanding. I mean, we have great clients, but um, if you if you lose that communication, then you lose their trust, you know? And so I think that's just the key is to just be really honest about what's happening and, and set those expectations from the very beginning of a project. Now, go ahead, Liz. I was just going to ask, so how many projects do you have active right now? Ooh, um... <laughs> You know, we have different phases that we're working in. So we're finishing up a really large custom home that we've been working on for almost three years. Um, I would say we have about 10 to 12 at different places in the process. So we're finishing a few up. We're in the midst of installing others. We're in the design phase on three or four. We're starting two new construction. You know, we're moving multiple clients from old homes to new homes and kind of doing some upfit for those. Um, And then we have a couple clients who we're doing multiple projects for both investment projects and personal homes at the same time, which is different. Um, So I think it's, I think we're in the 10 to 12, 15 range. As your comfort. Some are moving out, some are moving in, you know. So what's your favorite phase? If they're all in different phases, which is your favorite oh. phase? Um, Ooh, the reveal. No. <laughs> I love a reveal. I love the reveal, but I, lo- I actually love presentations. Mm. I love, yeah. um, you know, we do color, watercolor renderings for all of our presentations, which I think is an amazing selling tool. And I really love the sales process with my clients. So I find a lot of joy in selecting pieces that I know they're going to love and, you know, the excitement when they come in for a presentation, we do all our presentations in our office and we like to have little, you know, snacks or we'll order macaroons that match their color palette or Uh, depending on the time of day of the presentation, something fun um, for them to snack on and, you know, a nice bottle of wine while we're presenting and going Mm -hmm. through all the selections, but just their excitement to see what's coming Mm -hmm. and visualize what's happening um, in their home and what they can expect in the months ahead is really fun. Like it's such a fun time to see their excitement and joy. And then the reveal is always, um, amazing because generally they are blown away and we do a very um you know kind of tv version install when we can leave the home for the day go out to lunch we're going to come in with our team and move all your old things out and the new things in and (laughs) and the candles lit and 
there's flowers on the table and you know welcome home do you do the big fixer upper you like print the living room <laughs> and like roll it out i'm kidding i'm totally we haven't done that one yet <laughs> <laughs> i'm totally kidding i do have a question about um and i know obviously budget is in every project but how do you help your clients prioritize um you know like again like i need a bathroom i need a new kitchen how do you help them with a limited budget Right. So um, I think there are a couple ways that you can do that. You know, we call it value engineering, of course, um, in, in the design process. I think that you can keep materials very simple in kitchens and bathrooms, but create interesting patterns with your tile install. Um, you can do a lot of fun things with a colored grout in white subway tile or running it in a different direction. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to run left to right um, on an offset pattern. You can run it in a herringbone. You can run it in, a, um, you know, up and up and down. You can run it vertically. Like <laughs> even just using a subway tile in a little bit of a different size or shape mm -hmm. um, that keeps, you know, costs down. Um, I also think just guiding clients towards the right choices. I think kitchens and bathrooms, you're investing in hard materials that you're not going to change in, you know, hopefully 15 to 20 years. So I say put more money into those rooms where things are going to last longer um, in those hard materials and then save on the places that are a little more trend forward with fabrics or window treatments or um, soft goods that you're able to change out more frequently. Um, but I think bathrooms and kitchens are really investment spaces, you know, so buy the best you can with the budget that you have in those rooms. And that often depends on what your priorities are. Are you a chef? Like, are you cooking yeah. gourmet meals for your family? Are your appliances your priority? Or do you have a show kitchen where you really aren't cooking, but you want beautiful lighting or beautiful marble or, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. So that's how we decide where to put that money and how to allocate it correctly mm -hmm. based on their likes or dislikes. What are some of your favorite details you put in um, projects and even like recently that you're, that you get really excited, like, Oh, we'll put this nail head on the runners and, you know. Yeah, I do. I do love um, a fun nail head treatment on a rug or a carpet runner. We've been using really cool bindings lately on area rugs like hide or cork, um, you know, something unexpected, even on, like a simple indoor outdoor sizal look, but then throw a really interesting binding on it. So it's a little more customized. Um, I love trims. And I think that that's a great uh, trend right now in more um, classic, like traditional spaces. People are really using trims in fun applications like bullion trim is back on skirts and um, you're seeing more, you know, bushy like caterpillar trims on pillows and brush fringe. And we, we've always loved to tape trim on drapery. Um, we love to do really interesting like geometric applications with um, even just a simple grow grain trim um, on, on like a leading edge of a drapery panel. We did a really cool Greek key leading edge 
We've done, you know, a lot of different things like that where people want a clean drapery look, but something that just steps it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a really fun time for those details that you can pull from fashion that we can pull. Um, you know, you look at like high end um, couture dresses and they have beautiful appliques or embroideries or um you know, beading. And now we're seeing those details in the home fabrics that we're using. And so I love incorporating that on like a beautiful pillow or a table skirt or, you know, something like that where it blends fashion into your home. All of your rooms definitely do have a tailored look, but with really fantastic accessories that do tie back into fashion, which is really amazing. How do you know when you've overdone it? Like, how do you, what is your, what's your, uh, what are your tips for editing or knowing when the right number of accessories is right in a room? Right. Um, You know, I think that's like an intrinsic just skill that you have in a trained eye. So, I mean, I'm a big believer in the Coco Chanel saying, you know, put everything on and then take one thing off. So we, do a very similar um, setup with accessories. You know, we'll load it all in and then we take things out until we feel like we have that right mix and balance in a room. And, um, you know, one of the best things I've learned is that you can fill a space visually without filling it physically. And so you can have an empty corner in a room or a wall that can take just a beautiful piece of art, but doesn't necessarily have to have a console or a chair or a side table with it. Um, You know, your eye needs places to rest in a room. And so it's just as important to leave space um, as it is to create focal points. Um, And so we just really try to have that correct balance um, as we're editing and accessorizing our spaces um, that not everything has to be a focal point. You know, you let you uh, you create that one amazing moment and then you pull back in other spots. Um, otherwise, you're just competing. You know, every wall is competing with the others. Yeah. Do you redo rooms in your own home? All the time. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I'd be shocked to meet a designer who says they don't because it's our lab. You know, it's our laboratory to try things. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we're like, oh yeah, we're not doing this in a client's house. Um, but I, you know, I would actually say I have not, um, done massive redos. I'll tweak things. I'll add different pillows. I'll add different lamps. I'll, um, you know, my drapery pretty much has stayed the same, but sometimes we'll change things out. We'll add a different rug. Um, but my foundation pieces are classic. And they have stayed for, you know, I've had a lot of pieces for 10 years. And um, a lot of my upholstery is, you know, eight to 10 years old now, but I'm constantly changing the pillows or the accessories in the room and things like that to freshen it up. Would you help us with a design dilemma? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So the first is from Evan and 
Um, and they write, hello, Ballard ladies. I love the podcast so much. I hoard episodes and listen to them back to back on long drives. (laughs) 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 Perfect. Um, harking back to Frank Keenan episode. I have a question about the best way to, to curtain a glass door. I will attach a photo of what I'm dealing with. I think Fran had a specific way of attaching a curtain. I wanted to see if any of you remember it. I think it was from her episode, but I didn't get it. I think the other windows are all getting plantation shutters. This room is also getting a Jonah chair, thanks to Caroline's assistance with cushion measurements. Thanks for any help you can offer. And then there is a picture with, um, it's two windows next to the full window door. Yeah, a glass door. Um, And it looks like it goes back out to like a deck or porch area. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I actually went back and tried to listen to Fran's episode, but I could not figure out what she had suggested, but I'll um, kind of give you what I would do um, on these. So number one, I have pretty strong feelings about plantation shutters, and I feel like this is going to, this could cause some controversy, but um, <laughs> I am anti-plantation shutter, and I will explain why. And I have gone into so many homes and yanked them out. And I know that Mm. they're expensive and they're an investment. And I think they have a place um, in rooms like bathrooms where you don't want to deal with mold or mildew on soft treatments and you need privacy. I think a plantation shutter is a a great option, but I think they block so much light in a room. And this room gets amazing light from all Mm -hmm. of these windows on the back of their house. And so um, I am a bigger fan of a working shade. Um, we love to use woven shades. So like a beautiful grass that adds texture and function to a space or even a fabric shade. Um, something that could just have like a super clean inside mount on a window. And then you can actually treat the door with the exact same treatment. So you have um, continuity across all three of those different um, features. So, you know, a simple shade that goes up and down and you can pull it up when you want your daylight in. And then if you're watching a movie in the room or you want privacy at night, you just pull the shade down. Um, Same thing. You can do an outside mount on a working door over the glass where the shade can stay up. We typically do cordless shades, so we no longer have to deal with the cords that are hanging and, you know, wrapping them up somewhere. Um, You just have a simple mechanism that pulls up and down and you're able to have the function of privacy when you need it, but also get all that great light in during the day. Is there, how do you mount the actual shade to the door? Yeah, she does get really, they do get really great light in this room. You can just mount it onto the wood right above the glass. So there's mounting hardware. Mm -hmm. Do you do, how much over the glass, like overhang do you do from the window? The actual. I usually, so you have to be careful because of your doorknob, like to allow clearance. So Mm -hmm. I would only go about an inch above and then maybe quarter to half inch outside the glass, you know, just to cover Mm -hmm. that glass area, but you don't need to, you know, go all the way to the edge of Mm -hmm. the door. Would it mount at the bottom as well? So that when you open the door, it doesn't swing? Well, there's two different 
Yeah, there's two different ways you can do it. Um, you can do a fixed shade that would stay closed all the time if she really, yeah, if they really needed privacy. But um, you can also just do that cordless shade that pushes up and looks like a little folded Roman shade um, mm-hmm. when it's open at the top of the door. And then you mm-hmm. pull it down when you when you need. The thing that's difficult about putting drapery on a door is it's always going to, they don't have a lot of wall space to the right there. Um, so there's not a lot of room for a return and you're just going to constantly have the drapery caught in the door swing. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's a great, um, a great door for drapery treatment. Um, okay. Well, let's, we have another one. It is from Robin. And they write, hi, ladies, I have a neutral living room with just a few touches of butter and I want to freshen up my pillows and didn't know how I can make the room seem more updated. Yes. So she's got a very um, neutral palette here. There's Mm -hmm. really not a lot of color. And that might be, you know, the aesthetic that she loves. Um, I think there are a couple things she could do to make it feel updated. Um, The first thing that kind of jumps out at me is the ceiling fan. And it's dark against a really white ceiling. So I would love to see that go to just like a super clean white fan. Um, We tend to go a little more contemporary if we are using a ceiling fan in a room because I love for them to just blend into the ceiling and go away. Um, So I think that would help kind of lose that focal point on the ceiling there. And she also has a lot of chairs that don't match. So one option would be to either recover two chairs in a matching fabric um, just to feel like there's a little more cohesive um, look to the room where, you know, you had a pair of something instead of three single chairs. Um, And then because she does have such a neutral space, I think it would be really easy for her to add some pillows in like a soft color, even if it's just like a nice soft blue or green, um, you know, something that gives her a little bit of a focal point on her sofa, maybe against all the beigey cream colors uh, would be nice. And um, she has darker curtains, um, but they don't, you know, they don't really bother me. I mean, she has a, she has a nice um, overall aesthetic in the room. Um, I think it just needs a little, a little freshening. Like she said, Um, I'd love to see maybe even the wing chair and the other armchair you know, kind of re- either replaced in the same fabric or have those go to a pair of chairs that are mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. The room is, yeah, the room's like a rectangle for people listening and um, with a window and one long walls and opposite that is the TV on a little white stand. Um, and then on the furthest wall away, she has a uh, fireplace that looks like it's, is that stone or wood? I know. I can't tell either. Uh, with a wood mantle, um, just a um, ledge style wood mantle mm-hmm. and a half round mirror on top. 
um, and then the fan. And then she has a small round ottoman in front of her big sofa. And she does have three chairs in the room, um, which are all different. Um, and so I do agree with you. I think putting in, you know, the two chairs maybe on either side of the fireplace being like the same chair or covered the same way would give some cohesiveness to the space as well as mm-hmm. allowing her to update with some wonderful fabric that matches her rug and matches her main sofa um, if the, or whatever piece she loves the most. Yeah. And and the other th- I th- well, oh. yeah go ahead. Yeah. Well, you're the designer, but but the only other thing I was going to say is lighting wise too. It looks like she has three um, lamps in the room. That's exactly what I was thinking too. And one looks, I know one is on a table with a dark shade. And then there's one tucked back next to the two chairs that has a white shade. Do you think that's a floor lamp? I think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's a floor lamp right next to the TV as well. Kind of tucked next to the chair. Um, And as we all love, and I know you do care as well, uh, as many light sources as you can at that nice level, you know, the eye level is so great. Um, but they're all different and one looks more modern shade and the other's got a night. Anyway, I would make those maybe a little more cohesive as well. Cause they each have a different shade, shape and color. Yeah. And so it just makes it even busier. Um, well, and think, not in a, I think that's the best way to simplify. She's got three different chairs mm-hmm. and three different lamps. So if we can create some symmetry and some pairing there, mm-hmm. maybe even add another small side table on the other side of the sofa and then have a pair of table lamps that match mm-hmm. on those two, um, would create some nice balance on the window wall. Yeah, no. And, and to your point, I would, she doesn't have any art either. It looks like she is, um, some kind of cool she has some symmetric pieces hanging on either side of the fireplace that look um of organic shape mm-hmm. um but she doesn't have anything with color and so this would be another great place like you said to really you know find a paint you know an artist you love or find a painting with some kind of color that maybe that's what you pull out that you put on the sofa um you know that color and right. to help with fresh it, of course whatever you want but you know if you want to help freshen Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, that would give some nice balance. I mean, she does have nice balance on the fireplace wall, but mm-hmm. um, it would it would give her a little more um, just texture and interest there. Mm-hmm. And I think my last note that I um, just speaking of, you know, she says she describes the color as butter, and you know that means she likes a warmer hue in my mm-hmm. mind. And her um, her TV stand is looks like a very white white like Mm -hmm. a cool yeah looks very clean next to this room of all kind of meldy colors Mm -hmm. in a way i would actually make that kind of blend more if it's what if it's metal instead to get you something shiny in the room and or you know maybe a dry wood because you don't have a lighter oak in the room yeah Um, even like a more similar wood tone to what's on the fireplace mm -hmm. i think i I can't tell either if that's a stone or a wood but it kind of has that lighter weathered color and it would be really nice if the TV stand were in the same color family and just kind of blend away. Um, I also think she could lose the clock over the TV. You know, I think that there's so many debates over TVs and how to treat them and whether you hide them or whether you show them. I mean, at this point we're all watching TV, so let's not hide them anymore. Um, (laughs) And one of our favorite solutions is to use the frame TV from Samsung. If people have not seen that, it's a great oh, it's um, the art TV that 
you know, just blends right into the wall and she could hang it right up on the wall that would look like a piece of art when it's off. And then, you know, also serve as her TV function when she needs it on. No, I think you, I think you guys hit so many of the great, the great things of just like building continuity in the room. I think it's going to be, it's going to be great. She's yeah. full of balance, totally. but she's got good things. Totally. No, she's got some great stuff in there. So just a little refresh will make it feel good to her and yeah. moving things around. Absolutely. Always. Yes. As you talked about, we all do in our own homes. That's right. Okay, Kara, where can people find you, follow you, you know, all the good things so they can keep up with you? Um, yeah, we keep it really simple. It's uh, Kara Cox Interiors on Instagram and karacoxinteriors.com for our website. And we um, publish a weekly blog and monthly newsletter. And we are, we're always giving great tips and tricks and inside information if people want to subscribe and, and get our updates. And um, we're excited to head to High Point Market this weekend. Um, finally, such a long hiatus. We're so excited to see other designers and, um, you know, be back in showrooms and getting to see some new things on the floor. So oh, it's going to be so inspirational. And um, I think people are going to love seeing your collection, too. It's really pretty. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I enjoyed it. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!